When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. I'm Dan Hilton from the Barca Blog team here in New York, and I'm joined across the ocean by Frances Tomas, as always, on scene on ESPN and BarcaBlog.com. You can follow our show with the show notes at tbpod.link backslash 39. That is, again, tbpod.link backslash 39. Frances, we've had some heavy shows recently with the Catalan referendum going on, but I think today's going to be a little lighter, and so what are we talking about? Yeah, I think, I think it's time to pick it back up and return to our happy selves because, you know, there's no reason to be sad or there's no point on being sad for a continuous amount of time. So, in today's show, we're going to talk about the one and only Lionel Andres Messi. He's having the season, a season to remember, one of the best seasons he's ever had. And we're going to analyze that. We're going to compare as to his performances in the previous season and career stats. So, it's a stat-filled show today for you that we've got ready. Then we're going to talk about a lot of people. We've got Gerard Piquet first, and then we're going to go um, on to Luis Suarez, Palencia, Rafinha, Dybala. We've got a lot to talk about. The Barcelona Podcast 39 starts right here. So it seems like, Frances, in recent weeks, we haven't been talking about Lionel Messi enough. And, you know, we it's I think it's a good thing to have one of those weeks where during this international break when... Messi's actually probably in the most depressing time of his year when he's trying to qualify for the World Cup with Argentina. Right now, they're on the fence sitting in fifth place, but if they take care of Peru, then they're at a much better spot instead of having to potentially play in a playoff or missing it altogether. 
So for Messi, though, his time in Barcelona so far has been exceptional, where hitting 30 now instead of slowing down, the great Argentine has hit 11 goals and two assists, along with the two goals in the Champions League as well. And he's just been absolutely stellar. He's been the Barcelona player of the season. And I think for me over the summer, not that I was ungrateful to what Messi was doing, but I think it, at one point in his career and at certain times, if Barcelona aren't winning everything, you kind of get normalized to how great Messi still is, not only year in and year out, but game in and game out. The sheer stats that, again, the big numbers. Now we're in between appearances and goals and goals in every competition in La Liga and Champions League. We're now in triple digits for all of those things. And so you kind of get lost when you have somebody throw a whole lot of numbers at you. But just looking back to it with Messi in seven games in the Liga, 11 goals, two assists in two Champions League games. He's got two goals. Yeah, so so far this year, a total of 13 goals and two assists. And so even though he's playing that false nine role, something we haven't seen him in in a while, he fit just like in a glove like Ernesto Valverde, who I always want to make sure we're also appreciating the impact he's had so far on helping Messi. Just He just seems like a happier, more engaged player this year, just doing what he does best and playing football. But Frances, do you have some of those numbers that just do truly paint the story of how stellar he's been this year? I do. I do have plenty of numbers today. Hopefully um, our listeners won't get bored of them because there's a lot of numbers coming their way. And uh, if they're geeky about stats like I tend to be most of the time, um, hopefully they're going to enjoy this segment. So um, as you mentioned, Dan, um, Messi has now got in total for Barca 14 goals, counting the one he scored in, in La Supercopa. And he's played every single minute of Barca football. That is 810 minutes so far. Now, during that time, we have gotten used to see Messi playing pretty much every every second of the game. Um, he there was a time in previous seasons, and you know, looking back throughout the last decade even, in which Gules were a little bit anxious as to whether Messi should play so much time, uh, whether he needs to get a rest, whether the team is getting Messi dependence. But I think we've gotten to a point in which Messi playing every game in full. Is not necessarily a surprise anymore and in a way he because of his maturity because of the way he understands his body and takes care of it um, off the pitch as well he seems to be controlling his effort during the matches um, some people wrongly sort of argue that Messi walks for half the game and accelerates for the other half but I think it's it's more it's more in-depth than that it's much more complicated than that what Messi is doing he's picking up the moments in the game in which he has a, an advantage because of his, of his stamina, his physique, his speed, and in a way it's his ability to read the game as well, in which he can accelerate and, and make a difference. So um, he is playing every single minute and Barca are loving it big time. So far he has taken 56 shots um, and 33 of them have been on target. So that in a way is mind-boggling. So 33 shots on target having scored 14 goals, that's pretty much one in two. And that, in a way, it is exceptional. If you think about how other strikers need to have six, seven, eight, even ten shots on goal in order to hit the target, and not all of them actually go in, what Messi is doing in front of goal this season is incredible. And his stats, as I said, 14 goals altogether, could actually be 21 because he's hit the woodwork seven times already. And, and in a way, that, that is incredible, exceptional. He has taken 6.8 shots on goal throughout the season 
and that is an improvement of his career average and because his career average is actually five so he's taking two more shots per game which obviously given the way in, he, in which he converts them into goals it's it's helping the team enormously that's why the team is on 21 out of 21 possible points in la liga in terms of dribbling messi has become more decisive so 5.7 dribbles per game improving on his career average which is actually 4.5 so he is not only attempting to beat defenders more often which is clear by just watching the game but actually he's succeeding and getting 1.2 dribbles more per game which considering what he's done throughout his career it's actually a great improvement as well he's been dispossessed 3.6 times per game and that is in a way worse than his career average that's 2.6 uh, you may wonder why did i include this stat in here if it actually potentially paints Messi in a negative light well actually no it doesn't because the fact that he's being dispossessed more often actually means that he's trying to beat defenders also in a in a much more frequent way so his game has become more more brave in a way more direct and rather than combining with those around you as much as he has done in the past which in a way he still tries to do he has realized that actually Perhaps the quickest way in given situation is for me to beat my rivals and uh, trying to get the quickest way towards the opponent's goal. So 3.6 dispossessions per game. In terms of key passes, so his, um, in a way, biggest drive towards being individual is also represented here. He now has 1.4 key passes per game and his career average is 2.2. And that average actually was, was much larger in the last two, three seasons when Neymar and Suarez, Suarez was at his best and Neymar was still with us. So he's given less key passes in this season simply because his um, teammates, his attacking partners are not as effective. So Messi's realizing that and actually he's been much more individualistic and that is reflected on the 1.4 key passes that he's given per game. Uh, but overall, and this is the last number I'm going to throw in for now, um, his rating in who scored, which is the site, uh, in a way, in my eyes, the most reliable for stats that is in the internet, his individual rating per game is 9.1 out of 10, which obviously is exceptional, but it is actually, actually better than his career average, which is 8.6. So he's half a point better this season than he has been throughout his career, and I'm sure we'll agree, Dan, that he's been pretty good throughout, hasn't he? You mean throughout his whole career? Yes. Yeah, so actually that's about what I was going to bring up. Not just this season, but as, as I talked about over the summer when it's hard to, because it feels like he's been good forever, it's hard to kind of get lost and forget some of those big, big moments. And so I was kind of thinking to myself, when did Lionel Messi already basically become a Barcelona legend? Like at what point was he one of the best players ever to play for the club? And... I think the the interesting thing about Messi is just how quickly I think that 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 happened because already I, I think in my head at least while he was already the second in the FIFA World Player Awards back in the 26 27 uh, 2006 2007 season and that was still playing alongside Ronaldinho and he was third in the Ballon d'Or that year he had 16 goals 10 assists in 40 games and he was a runner-up in 2008 in the FIFA World Player Award for the second season in a row then the following year. It was then that next season, that post-Ronaldinho year in 2008-2009, when he became the center point of the offense. And he, for the first time, he kind of stayed completely injury-free, 
played in 51 games, scored 38 goals. That was the year, of course, that Barcelona won not only the Copa del Rey, but the Champions League final as well against Manchester United. He scored both of Barcelona's goals in that game. And then in 2009, he finally winds up winning the FIFA World Player and Ballon d'Or Award. So I think just four years into his career, basically as a regular with Barcelona, he already becomes the guy that gives the club this this glorious moment and unequivocally makes them the seen as the best club in the world. And of course, Pep Guardiola and Xavi and Yesa, they all play a role of that. But you need one guy to be standing above the rest. And already in his career, in his early to mid-20s, Messi was already at that plateau. And then it just if you go through it, it just continues year in and year out. My favorite year with Messi, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, 2011, 2012, when he just exploded with goals that year, moving past Cesar Rodriguez's record of 232 official goals to become the club's all-time leading scorer. So if you come to think of it, Messi, five-plus years ago, already was the club's leading scorer. And so, again, we continue to take for granted the sheer number of goals, the sheer number of assists, and the sheer number of important moments that he's had for the club. And it's just... For me, I think those also can be categorized if you just, I mean, easily go on YouTube, you can watch, still you watch what happened against Espanyol in 2012 in May of that year. He made an unprecedented 15 goals in that season, scoring four goals in that derby. And then he would also go on, of course, you remember against Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League where he just obliterated the German side, putting up five goals in that game against Leverkusen also earlier that year in 2012, and just continuing to knock down record after record after record. He's had some hamstring injuries through the years, and people might be critical of his time with Argentina. He's had so many moments just for club that just just one moment would, would any player in the world dream of having. And so, and even those big moments like last season, last April, when Barcelona beat Real Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu 3-2, to two, in that game, that was the day that Leo Messi reached 500 goals with the first team. And it was also the winner when he takes off his jersey. And of course, it's his iconic image. But there are just that's just one moment. That's one moment just last April that every player would dream of having. And yet he has had... And, and there are so many in his career that I haven't mentioned or missed that are, that are just on this huge list of all the hat tricks he's hit in the Liga. Now he's sitting at 27 in that category. And again, a hat trick, that's something that any player at the professional level would dream of having, and yet he's done it 27 times. And it seems like, as we're, we'll move on to PK in just a minute, but it seems, as I, as I said, Frances, and I'd love you to respond, that it's almost hard to pick what Lionel Messi's best moment in a Barcelona uniform is because he's had so many. And the way he's playing this season, the, the reason we're having a whole show to praise what he's doing so far this year is because he's playing in a way that you believe that there are certainly many more of those top, top incredible moments to come. I really do think that you're right. There are far too many moments to pick. And if I had to go back to the very beginning, I think the first goal he scored at the Camp Nou, and in a way as a professional at Barca against Espanyol in his debut, was fantastic given the great assist that Ronaldinho provided him with. And moving forward in time, it was the Champions League semi-final where he scored a double in the Santiago Bernabeu. Um, and left Jose Mourinho's team behind, that was also pretty special. Now, fast forward into this season, I think 
uh, what our listeners probably want to know is how is Messi better this year, given the fact that he's already a legend and, as you said, has been for several seasons now? Well, I think there is a certain Xavi Hernandez, which our listeners definitely know very well, that, as we say back home, cuando habla sube el pan, which is whenever he speaks, bread becomes more expensive. That's a Spanish idiom for you. But uh, basically, is whenever El Maestro Xavi Hernandez speaks, we need to sit down and listen. And he was just speaking to the Catalan media today and he said, it's not right for Messi to be away from the ball for almost 10 minutes. He must always be involved. He must be at the center of everything. And he always needs to get involved and go towards where things are happening. Also, he says that if that's not the case, the team must basculate accordingly in order to get Messi involved. And Sampaoli, his national coach, just yesterday as well, said Messi is vital in order to finish in front of goal. And I think those two uh, quotes from obviously two very respectable world-class um, manager and player uh, are very telling. What Xavi is trying to say is that Messi needs to be at the center of everything we do. And that hasn't always been the case. And if you think back at last season, of course he was key, but he had three different focuses um, in terms of Neymar and Suarez and in a way sharing the spotlight. But under Ernesto Valverde, he's become an even more focal reference. And linking to what Valverde is trying to do, he is now closer to goal, which is what Sampaoli was trying to say. So he is vital in order to finish in front of goal, meaning that the closer Messi is to the opponent's goal, the more chances you're going to have to, to score. Now, as regular listeners to our podcast already hopefully know, Messi has been deployed as a false nine this season and he is the undisputed key focus up front. He obviously is still generous when he can and he needs to be, but he's much more focused on testing the keeper himself. He's, in a way, becoming even more direct if that was even possible. Um, the departure of Neymar obviously influenced the way in which, in which he is performing. And I would say if Dembélé hadn't been injured so early into his Barca career, maybe we would be seeing a different Messi by now. But for better or worse, that, that didn't happen. Um, Messi is in a way even more ambitious than he has ever been. He's extraordinary in terms of um, his current form and his stamina and his ability to accelerate is just out of this world. Also, as is his understanding that if he's constantly accelerating, then he's going to get to a point that he's going to be just far too tired in order to excel when he really needs to. Um, I think he kind of got unnoticed as he's very, very healthy. You know, he seems happy off the field, obviously. He's got a gorgeous family at home waiting for him. But in a way, he's healthy. He seems relatively happy um, in terms of uh, his position in the team. He's the undisputed leader. I know that he wasn't before, but I think it's even more relevant as to, as to where he is uh, personally and from a sporting perspective. So all of that is resulting on 1.7 goals per game, which is 33% better than his record in the Liga back in 11 and 12, so 2011 and 2012, when he actually scored 50 goals in the season. And this is, in a way, breathtaking. If he continues to score at this rate, he would actually end up La Liga with 68 goals. And that obviously would be a, a record or in the over 100 years, well, almost 100 years of La Liga history. So just to sum it up, um, in short, I really can't wait for Bartomeu to convince Messi to sign that contract so that we are certain to have him for the rest of his career because at the level that he is at 30 years old, this, this man is just genius. And I don't think the word genius actually does him justice, but 
I'm running out of vocabulary to express the admiration, respect, and the incredible degree of joy that Messi has been, currently is, and will bring in terms of joy to the Catalan um, fans and the Barcelona fans worldwide. And it really is interesting to me how how good he is been for Barcelona this year is seemingly creating more problems with the Argentinian national team. As if anything with the Argentinian national team is ever positive news, even though they make so many finals, as we've talked about in the past on this show, that they just can't seem to get over that final hump. But as far as the way they're going to be playing, as I, as I kind of had teased about these next two qualifiers with the World Cup qualification on the line, it seems like Paulo Dybala, the coaching staff of Argentina, find that those two don't mess necessarily perfectly together because while in the past, particularly at the World Cup in 2014, Messi was playing a little bit more as like a deep-lying playmaker in the middle of the field and kind of going out wide and being allowed to be drifting wherever he wanted to. But it seems like I have a hunch that Argentina is going to try to just keep him in the same spot that he's playing for Barcelona. And I know that's a lot to shift and, and change up in the final two qualifiers. But the whole point is that if the Argentinian national team can somehow, in some way, channel how good Messi is for Barcelona or Messi's peak form for Barcelona, and you and you can have that kind of guy leading the line for Argentina, it's always going to be in Argentina's best interest to do everything they can for the lineup to get the best out of him when he's in this kind of form for his club to help him carry that over, just so they can get across the line and get these points. Now, switching over to another guy on international break, that being Gerard Piquet, on social media and with our shows in the last in this last week, and we do highly recommend the last show, show 38 of the Barcelona podcast, where we talked a lot about Gerard Piquet's role in the Catalan referendum and what this all means for him and his international career. And so we've got an update on that. He's actually come out, maybe we thought after voting that he might quit. It seems like not only is he going to stay with the Spanish national team moving forward, but he's trying to put all of this behind him. He said he's just going to kind of take the abuse, take the jeers from uh, fans who are upset with him and trying to politicize things. And he's just trying to try to block all that out. And he says not only that, but he's committed to his team like he's committed to his family. And he's also going to be forming a partnership with Sergio Ramos, that of being his Real Madrid opponent, but also Spain's center back partner for all of those Euros and, and World Cup. And they're going to be creating a, a separate part of the Players' Tribune. And they're going to be having their own section in that. And that's going to be another forum for players to express themselves. And in the U.S., I know that's nothing new. The Players' Tribune, especially there's a lot of, for those who enjoy the sport of hockey, there's a lot of different good hockey pieces out there written by the players. And so PK and Ramos are going to start picking up the pen a little bit more and having their colleagues pick up the pen and be a little more vocal in those kind of forums. And so it's interesting to watch these two work together and announce this, particularly after the consternation that he's had over the last week where we wondered if he was even going to be on this team as of today at all. Yeah, I think the fact that the players will be able to express themselves without actually having any media trying to, in a way, shift and and tergiversar, which is changing the, the main ideas... Um, I think it can only be good news. I really can't wait. I didn't quite know that um, the Players' Tribune was so big in terms of hockey uh, back in the United States. Um, every time that I read the Players' Tribune, it has been related to NBA players. 
So I read, um, I re really particularly remember a piece by Kobe Bryant, um, probably four or five years ago now, that apparently he wrote um, late at night and it was really telling of his current position. It was when he injured himself uh, for that continued period of time uh, that, you know, in a way um, had millions of Lakers fans, which I have to say I am one. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I have been following the LA Lakers for many, many, many years because my dad um, fell in love with Magic Johnson and um, James Worthy, etc. But anyway, I really think that it's great that the players have a, a media in which they control um, exactly how the message goes out to the fans. Um, I want to give a little bit of a shout out here as well to Michael, Saito and Charlie for the feedback for our previous episode. Still available at tvpod.link forward slash 38. That is tvpod.link forward slash 38. They said, really interesting to listen to your take in the events of Barcelona. I really appreciated the unbiased explanation. Many thanks. That's from Michael. Saito said, hats off to you both for staying partial. I mean, it's a difficult emotional time. Love this podcast even more, which was fantastic to read. Thank you, Saito, for that. And then Charlie says, I've got to say, you guys did an excellent job getting through a difficult podcast and explaining the situation in Catalonia. So if that is something that, for whatever reason, you've missed, don't, no worries, it's still available in our feed. Just go down and scroll back to your uh, previous episodes. And if not, if you're on the internet, it's tvpod.link forward slash 38. Um, in terms of uh, the political situation in, Cat in Catalonia and Barcelona, I think everything we had to say was said at length in our previous episodes. So we're not going to add anything else today. I just want to say that um, I've got full admiration for Gerard Piquet for sticking to his beliefs and at the same time going into the national team and trying to make that work as well. I really do admire him. As I said before, I don't know if I will be able to do it. So um, in a way, the way that Piquet feels and the way that Piquet expresses himself really aligns um, a lot to my own beliefs. And as I said, full, full credit to him for his behavior and professionalism. We've got another story about a Barcelona starter, this one about Luis Suarez. And it took me over a roller coaster over the course of this article where it starts by saying, and this is a report that is according to the CAD radio a sports. So of course a, a pretty recognizable and trustworthy source in reference to Barcelona player news and particularly injury news. It, it reported that he has been playing with a cyst in his knee. And not only did he miss time earlier in the season, but he's been having trouble in front of goal that you and I have been critical of him about. And he just, there just seems to be something off, and it's almost a relief, Frances, to know that it's not just a confidence or something fundamental to, to him, but it's just some kind of injury that is beleaguering him and that he's having some issues with. Now, not only does the report say that he's been playing with discomfort, but surgery might be the option that might have to be taken. So the medical team at Barcelona are trying to just kind of wean him back in and let him rest and recover and see if that helps. But while he's away on national duty, they're basically going to check back in when he comes back. So hopefully Luis Suarez, more than any other player, is most likely to get injured on international duty. So we're going to cross our fingers that he comes back all right and feeling well. And if he feels better after the international break even, then all things are good. But if not then surgery might be the option. And then the interesting thing, though, is that surgery apparently is only like a two to three week recovery period at most. So what I what I mean by roller coaster when I read this is that I started and you hear the word cyst and cyst 
depending on whether or not um, how big they are and how dangerous they can be. Uh, how dangerous assist is, it really depends on, on the situation. And so when you hear that kind of thing, particularly in the knee for a soccer player, it could be a scary thing. But just to hear that it just has to be removed and clean and flushed out. And then he's he's good to go, apparently, in, in three weeks or so. That's what I mean, where you get scared at the beginning of the article. Then by the end, you say, well, it sounds like the medical team has a good handle on this. But I think the bigger story to come out of all this is is kind of, again, that understanding that he wasn't doing well. And I guess now we know why. Yeah, and I also think that in terms of Suarez, you have to understand that if you're not feeling 100%, then it's very, very difficult to be the excellent, outstanding player, arguably the best striker in the last couple of years in, in European and world football, because obviously Messi was not playing as a striker as such, was he? So reaching that level is very difficult when you're not feeling 100%. And I totally agree with you. If the intervention is, in a way, reportedly only going to be a couple of weeks, I'd say just do it. You know, maybe he's not going to want to wait for the Christmas break, I would have thought. But just do it. Just get it get it done and over and over done with. Um, you've got Paco Alcácer that hasn't played any part this season. Um, he's played like a, a game and made one appearance as a substitute. So I would say for the benefit of getting Alcácer back in the team and involved into the routine of what it is to feel like an important player and the fact that Suarez is not... I mean, he's working hard and you can't really for his commitment in that in that way he is assisting fairly well he is creating spaces but he just lacks that extra final spark that actually gave him the advantage in in previous years and if being off for a couple of weeks is going to make that more feasible then i really do think that has to be the option that barcelona need to go for because uninformed suarez and a healthy dembele and you know we've spoken about messi at length that will give us a front three to really be respected in European football. And then, you know, after the Christmas break, the, the winter break, we can then restart the, the new year and actually really challenge for pretty much every title available. So let's just hope that Luis Suarez picks himself back up. And if that takes two weeks off, then so be it in my eyes. Yeah, that, make, that all makes sense to me that you don't, that whether or not he waits for the Christmas break, you definitely know that once the new year comes, then Barcelona should really be coming and firing on all cylinders where you'd have Luis Suarez fully healthy by the new year. You'd have Dembele coming back and should be fully healthy right around the new year. And Barcelona should be firing on all cylinders. Now, we're talking about Barcelona now. We're going to transition and just speak about a potential future real quick. And we're going to head down actually to the Barcelona B team where Sergi Palencia, a right back that we've mentioned briefly on the show before, he's renewed until 2020. He's a captain of Barcelona B, and he could continue on now there for three more seasons. And his termination clause or release clause has gone from, has become 25 million and could rise to 50 if he moves to the first team. And when I read this, the first name I thought of was Alex Grimaldo, who's now with Benfica, in that Palencia is not a guy that Luis Enrique seemed to really like. I remember last year, he brought up uh, Nili Perdomo, who was another right back playing for Barcelona B, who wasn't necessarily an academy prospect. He was brought in for the B team. And Palencia, while he has had some injuries throughout his career, he's getting to that age now in his early 20s where you wonder when he's going to take that step and if he's going to take that step. Because he's not a teenager still like uh, Elena. He's not that young. He's, again, the, the captain of Barcelona B. He's a leader there. 
And can he transition out of the first team? Because as we've talked about in the past, when you look at Sam Per having to go out on loan, what does that transition from the Barcelona B team to the Barcelona first team look like? What does that look like now? Roberto being that last guy to make that transition fully. And even Roberto was a, a squad player. You wondered if he was going to get on loan for a few years. And he wound up building up his playing time. And now you see the role and the important role he plays now. But Palencia having that one position at right back, I think he can also deputize at left back now and again. But it seems like with a $25 million release clause that the club has a little bit of faith in him. Not too much, but a little bit of faith. And $50 million tells you that they know that if he moves to the first team, it's because he's playing well and he's become an important player. So with Palencia, again, it's so hard to tell how the coaching staff and the academy view a lot of these prospects. Do they view them as guys that they believe are going to contribute? Or do they just see them as an ends to a means to help Barcelona be in the Segunda division and merely be the, the experienced teammates to help guys like Alenia take that next step forward? Because Alenia right now playing really well, leading the team with three goals, and the team who currently sits in 16th place out of 22 teams with two wins, two losses, two draws, 10 goals for, nine against for a plus one. Worryingly, they just lost Inigo Ruiz de Galareda until the beginning of December. And meanwhile, Abel Ruiz is currently away at the U-17 World Cup. So Barcelona B is in a point where they're going to need their captain, Palencia, right now more than ever to kind of right the ship and start to pick up some wins to stay out of that relegation zone. Yeah, definitely. I think that Barca B this season, obviously, given the fact that they've got, um, obviously, they've still got a mixture of young and older talent. But the thing is, it seems to be the La Masia Academy prospects that have been in the club for longer that actually are the ones that, in a way, have the most quality and really need to step it up a little bit in order to stay out of trouble and, and at least keep their sec- Segunda División a status. In terms of Palencia, it's interesting that you said that the first person you thought about uh, when you read the news was Grimaldo. The first person I thought about was Semedo. I think that Nelson Semedo in the first team um, has only just started and in a way he's going to be, in my eyes, he should really already be, uh, but that's a different story, an automatic starter for the next season, for sure, but I would say the next decade. Um, so if Semedo is going to have such a predominant um, role to be played at Barca, you've also got Sergio Roberto who can play a right back, but in a way... He's transitioned more and more often towards midfield, which is what I really think is the right thing to do. Then you've got Alex Vidal in there, but he never really been able to convince either managers because Luis Enrique didn't believe in him that much. And uh, Ernesto Valverde, we're still trying to work out how much actually confidence he's got on, on the player. So I think that Palencia would in a way, be able to make the first team. But whether he becomes a regular starter for years to come, I'm not sure. Um, if the idea is to loan him out, say, like Mark Bartra is doing, I know he's not loaned out, but, you know, that sort of adventure um, in a foreign league in order to come back, like, say, Piquet did in his day, like, says Fabregas did in his day, like Jordi Alba even did uh, when he was playing at Valencia and Cornellà and other teams, then I, I'm not sure. But I think the fact that he's renewed his contract does, as you said, rightly point out at the fact that the the board want to sort of promote the talent that is homegrown and there's some degree of faith in him and I really do hope that he does make it to the first team and excels but I'm not too sure that's going to be the case. Let's move from Barcelona B to the Barcelona Femini which is obviously the the ladies of Barcelona. 
who currently lead the Primera Division with 12 points, tied with Atletico Madrid, but leading due to a superior goal differential. They had a 10-0 thrashing a few weeks ago. And other than a hard-fought 1-0 win of a Real Sociedad, they haven't really been challenged yet this season. But this week, Frances, they have a tough matchup against Athletic Bilbao coming up on Sunday. So if you're not really into the international break, the Femini, who do play at a sim, uh, who will be playing at a similar stadium, that being the new Croix Stadium with Barcelona B soon, it seems like the Femini, there's, there, are, there are official streams for that game and there are ways to watch the Femini. And I would say Barcelona have some of the best women's players in the world on that squad. So if you're not into the international break, check out the women. No, undoubtedly, I think it's great that Barca are making such a big sort of push in order to promote the Femini team. Um, just a couple of weeks back, we had Barca first team with Messi and Suarez, etc., having the yearly photograph together with the girls' team. And obviously, that really raised the profile immediately of what Barca's trying to do. And we've got great players like Tony Duggan here from the UK and obviously Lique as well. Um, the recent winner of the best player of, of the of the whole world and the universe. I don't know if that's even an award, but that's that's what she did win, um, and I'm certain of that. So yeah, we've got great talent, obviously homegrown as well and national in terms of Spain talent as well. So I think it is great to see that the club is pushing for them, and you know they seem to be outstanding. So I am in the next couple of weeks going to watch another couple of games from from the girls because what I have seen in terms of highlights it is great. But as regular listeners know. I like to make my own idea by watching the whole 90 minutes. So I've got that in my schedule and I really can't wait to do that and come back to um, tell your listeners about, about that. And if you can watch it yourselves, then do that. I'm fairly certain that the fcbarcelona.com website actually streams it for free. So please check that out if that is something that um, you want to be interested in. And that brings us right into our favorite part of every show, and that's the listener questions. We've got a ton today, Frances, so we're going to have to do our format of quick-fire questions where not necessarily one word, but let's try to limit each of these answers to one question. And again, some of these are going to be a little more difficult and nuanced to answer in one sentence, but we're going to try to do that, and we're not going to get too political with some of these. As I said, we talked about the Catalan referendum before, so we direct you back to that show. And we also don't want to prophesize too much about what-ifs in the future, so we're going to be a little vague on those. And if the time comes, we're going to make sure we have the accurate information moving forward. So let's start with two by one of our patrons, and we want to thank him, Christo, for helping out in that category. And again, if you want to help support the show, help us continue to make more shows, then you can... Look us up on Patreon at the Barcelona Podcast. So, Christo's first question, if Catalonia secedes, do you think Barca will stay in the Liga or play elsewhere? Frances, I'll take this one real quickly. I think if if they, if they if Catalonia secedes from Spain, FC Barcelona would have a hard time staying in the Liga. It, I think both the league and the club understand that this is going to be a difficult relationship. And if they played elsewhere, I've heard rumblings, and you've seen it, where it's kind of just, again, the what-ifs. And the what if you hear the most is Ligue 1, where, again, I think I had mentioned that that's where PSG is, that's where Neymar is, and AS Monaco. And so I would say that that's probably the most likely place. But again, it's so early to tell. You've heard things about a a potential Catalan league. What would that happen? And the big thing is money rules us all, and the broadcasting rights and Liga and all of the big money, they're going to have a lot to say. So I think this is just in its infancy, and until... We have to deal with this problem. Let's just not deal with the problem. Is that a fair answer, Frances? 
It is. I'm going to give my take. I think if, if Barcelona and Catalonia became independent, I would say La Liga would have too much money to lose if Barca weren't playing. So my bet is Barcelona stays in the Spanish league. And also, I would say that um, Ligue 1 is not somewhere we should be going to. But again, it seems the more likely answer if we are to leave. Yeah, just logistically. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. As I said, that with the TV rights, there's a lot of money for for both club and league, that club being Barcelona and all the other clubs in the Liga to lose if Barcelona were to leave. So we have another question. Why have Barcelona not yet increased Umtiti's buyout clause? And that's a reference to Real Madrid's having enormous clauses, while Umtiti only has about a $60 million release clause, which for... Barcelona's youngest best defender, it seems like a low number in comparison. I think that Barca have an increase in TT's clause because they are focusing on things that matter less than that. I think it should be a key priority for the club to work on. And it is mind boggling to think that Umtiti could leave for 60 million euros when you've got insane amount of money being thrown for players that are not half the player that he is or has the potential to be. So I think it's all a matter of priorities and they need to get it right because he's a key player and should be for the next decade. Next one comes from Luis, and he asked, moving forward, can Barcelona no longer be part of the Liga? And, well, not to rehash what we just said, but it's kind of the same thing where our answer right now has to be we don't know. We don't know what will happen when, again, when politics and sports have to meet and what happens when La Liga and Barcelona have to hash things out. So it's still so early to tell, and... Obviously, certainly with what's happening in Catalonia, we might have answers, but it's going to be a little while. So everybody just be patient, be calm, and be kind to one another. So Drago asked on Facebook, he said he will no longer watch La Liga if FC Barcelona is not a part of it. He urges every Barcelona fan in the world to do the same. And he also did mention that it will hurt the Spanish TV rights without Barcelona. And that's the big, again, the big story to all this, Frances, that do Barcelona need La Liga more than La Liga need Barcelona? It's really a chicken and the egg kind of concept. I think they both need each other. And that's why I said that Barca, in a way, will stay in La Liga, even if, if Catalonia becomes independent, because they, in a way, need each other in order to um, make money, which, in a way, is what keeps both of them going, um, as we saw um, in our previous episode. All right, so we're going to pick up the pace here. We've got some that are connected, two about Delefeu, one asked by Ray Asagueda and the other by Abdullah Gane. So they asked, basically, we've seen Alex Vidal over Gerard Delefeu, and Delefeu just isn't playing. What's the deal? And one of the things that I was just thinking about, Frances, real quick about this, is not only am I not sure, maybe, I mean, Val... Managers pick their favorites, and so Valverde just might like what he sees in training from Vidal more than Delefeu. And we knew Delefeu had some issues with commitment to defense and things like that coming in, but we thought that he had kind of gotten through that. And Delefeu is not being very clinical in front of net, and so that might be something where Valverde just wants him to sit on the bench and, and clear his head. So that would be my best guess. Is my other thing that I'm thinking about is just the question that I actually want to ask you from kind of taking off from this question is. When you have a January transfer window, right, and a guy like Alex Vidal might not fit into the club in the spring, is it better to leave players on the bench to increase their value so that teams don't see them playing poorly, even like a Paco Acatera, because this will answer some other questions too. Is it better to keep those guys on the bench where their values would potentially stay consistent, or should they be playing to take a risk to increase their value? 
I think it depends what your target is. If your target is to sell the player for more money, then definitely do that. Just get them to play and get them to score a couple of goals if possible. And then obviously you're going to be able to get more profit out of it. Um, I would say that shouldn't be your priority. The priority should be for the team to win games. And if it's a player that you don't want, it's because they don't really have the quality for the team, then playing them is going to decrease the quality of the team, basically decreasing as a result the amount of chances you've got to win games. So that it really just depends on what you should prioritize. In my eyes, it's clear you play the best players in order to win. Now, going back to the Deulufeo question in terms of why he's not playing, I would say it's very simple. He, he's played, if Dembele was here and healthy, he would be playing every game and we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a debate, but he's not. So Denis Suarez, um, Alcácer, Deulufeo, um, at all challenging for a spot that in a way should not really be available because that should be the French internationals. So I think it depends on what Valverde is seeing in training and he's changing his minds on a weekly basis because he's not really sure. Arsacio had two, both concerning Suarez. The first one, is there any validity to the reports that Messi and Valverde had a bust up over Suarez? No, there isn't. Right. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, if they did, you definitely would have heard more of it. So you can't, again, it's difficult to believe everything you read. And there are certain sources that you can trust. And then the other ones you can't. And we have talked about that on this show before about sources and just looking at source material. So if you don't hear it from multiple sources, or if one source is reporting it, and then all these other sources are just dating back to the one source, that usually means that that one source is a farce and that everyone else kind of just picked up the story. Yeah, Messi is not as bad as some media try to paint him. Uh, they're just jealous that he's so great and they want to try and make up stories to, um, in a way, get people to like him a little bit less. But no, absolutely no truth in it. And then the next one, Arsacio, as well as Marlon Beatriz, asks, should Alcatara be given a chance to replace Suarez? And then Marlon asks, Luis Suarez plays been very concerning. Do you see... Dybala as a top priority rather than a midfielder. I think Alcácer, as long as Valverde is there, is not really going to get a decent chance because I think it's obvious that the manager doesn't trust him. As for Dybala, I would say that he will be the natural heir for Suarez whenever Suarez, is, I was going to say, starts to decline, but his performances this season haven't been that encouraging, have they? So whenever Suarez um, has to be replaced or decides to leave for whatever reason, Dybala should be the natural heir. However, I am worried about what Sampaoli is doing in terms of Dybala and Messi not being able to play in the same team. So hopefully that comes down to the inability for the Argentina national team to put them together rather than the fact that they cannot really play together one day. And so we've got one more from another one of our patrons, Blessed Guebo. And I've got this one quick fire. These are easy, Frances. Pulisic, good enough for Barcelona. Well, I watch pretty much every game that Christian Pulisic of Dortmund plays. Again, he's the best player for the U.S. The answer is not yet, but boy, oh boy, would I love it if that ever happened. Just, But let's hold our horses on that. He says Harry Kane for Alcacer. Uh, that's not a like for like. Harry Kane's a starter and will cost 150 million euro for all of that gold or more. So I don't see that happening anytime soon. And then Lamar or Sarri, and I think in the winter at least, both of those guys would be too expensive. And I think Sari, that bridge is kind of burned. And for Lamar, that's a guy that's going to move into the summer for major money. So I don't see him going anywhere, particularly to Barcelona, especially with Dembele as well, coming back and playing on the wing. So I, it, for Lamar, if Barcelona get him, it's going to be at least 
the soonest is going to be next summer. So I think we're going to see in the next few weeks what kind of winter transfers. And I just hope we don't hear the name Philippe Coutinho again because I'm exhausted by it. I'm thankfully, thankfully, I do want to thank our listeners. We got no questions about Coutinho this week and we got all these other great questions. So we we really appreciate that. Um, But I think we're out of questions. Anything else, Frances? I want to say that I'm feeling very emotional about the lack of Coutinho questions. Um, And I'm going to go cry um, now as soon as we finish the podcast because I'm very disappointed. Not. Yeah, I mean, if Coutinho ever plays in Barcelona, we'll support him just like everybody else. But until that time, they're just inundated with all the gossip and all that silly news. So while Barcelona is on the international break, we will not be. We'll be back with two more shows next week and that's when we'll hear you if you like this show and you enjoy the show please share it with people and get other people talking about it we'd love to hear some of what you think give us feedback whether it's itunes stitcher wherever you get your podcast google play and let us know what you think about the show so again thanks for listening to the barcelona podcast bringing the hottest breaking stories from the camp no until next time we'll talk to you soon and forza barca forza Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.